What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Right Who You Know. I'm Matt Hausfetter. This is the podcast that's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes of screenwriting. Uh, it is Friday, June 30th, TGIF. Uh, the sun is out in Los Angeles. The birds are chirping. It's uh, it's a big day. We're going to find out if the Screen Actors Guild uh, is going to strike or if they're going to extend their contract talks with the AMPTP or if they're going to come out with a deal. Uh, there's so much to be said about all of it, but like honestly, I don't want to turn this into a Strike Talk podcast. This is the antithesis of a Strike Talk podcast. This is... You know, this is the writers talking shit podcast. This is the writers room fun eating a bag of Starburst before dinner time podcast. Uh, if you want, you know, the realities of the harsh realities of that on the harsh tokes of the bong of Hollywood, you know, please go listen to the strike podcast with Billy Ray. Anywho, uh, I'm so stoked because today we have Lauren Kahn on the podcast. Lauren rocks. She is so funny. She is so talented. She wrote Fresh, which is currently streaming on Hulu. She wrote Ibiza, which is currently streaming on Netflix. Both awesome movies. She's also known for selling her first feature, He's Fucking Perfect, overnight and becoming a sensation. Uh, she fucking crushes. Uh, I can't believe she came all the way to my house in Laurel Canyon with a gift, which you'll find out about. Uh, for this cast. Uh, you know, Lauren also came up working for Adam McKay and uh, working with Kevin Messick. So she has a really wonderful perspective and uh, experience working in Hollywood and seeing how movies are made and projects get put together. And I couldn't be more excited for you guys to hear that. Uh, so enough about me. Here's my interview with uh, gummy expert, candy connoisseur, and screenwriter buddy, Lauren Kahn. Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and give some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. Lauren, the first thing that I want to ask you about, or even talk to you about, there's so many ways I could get into this, but um, you first became apparent to me before writing stuff, just like at a Nikki Will crawfish boil. Mm. Um, because then I noticed that at the time you were smoking cigarettes and so did I. And like we were last of a dying breed. Right, right. So it is an honor to have you uh, sitting here. Um, but I knew of your story, as did many of us, because you were an assistant and you were just working for McKay or Funny or Die or like really what was your assistant job that led to your, you selling your first spec? And how did you get that job and get into Hollywood to begin with? I mean, should I just like rewind? Yeah, get go it, for go it. Way back? Take us back. So moved to LA and didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was working in reality television. Got it like through my school, sort of. I was working on The Bachelor in the city in New Where York Where did you city. go to school, by the way? Where I went to Ithaca. Okay. Upstate New York. All right. Um, the other the other college, Cornell is also in Ithaca. <laughs> um, and I saved money for a year, worked like in reality TV, me and my best friend from college were like, we're going to make it. Like, we did, like, the internship program, which a lot of schools have. I feel like your school maybe had yeah, it, too. Yeah, they do. Um, so Ithaca had, like, a, you know, spend a semester abroad. And, like, that was my, like, awakening where I would be, like, living in the Oakwoods with, like, you Red, red Man. And, like, I'm really kind of getting into the weeds. But, <laughs> no, that's like, you know, and, like, people trying out for pilots. And I was like, this is Hollywood. We I to made get it, baby. Here. at the Oakwoods. And I did feel that. Like, we were partying. And I was, like, me and my best friend. And I was just like, this feels like where everything's happening. And I knew I, I was majoring in TV production. 
but there was not a world in which I thought I was going to end up a writer. I was like, I'm going to be a production coordinator and then I'm going to be a line producer. Like it, like things that had like mapped out yeah. in my mind. I was like, I know I want to be entertainment industry adjacent, but I knew I liked telling stories to my friends. And then I took a personal essay class senior year. And there was like that one teacher that's like, you have a vote, like stick with this. And I was like, really? You had the Robin Williams in, in that uh, moment. Dead Poets Society yes, teacher. I had that moment. And I was like, all right, maybe I have something. So, you know, saved money for a year, knew we were going to move to L.A., working in reality TV, and I started writing, like, a blog. Well, it started as an email of, like, did you ever notice? And it was, like, my thoughts on life. And What was it called? It was called The Chronicles of Life. Okay. Okay. Not bad, not no, bad. not at all. It was on a web. So first it was emails. And then my one friend was like, you have a blog. This is embarrassing. Stop. And and I, <laughs> blogs were not cool. So I was like, no, I don't. And she's like, stop emailing us your thoughts. Just put it on a freaking web page. What year is this, by the way? Uh, you know, like 2004, okay. maybe, 2005. I think this was like pre-Tumblr, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. it was, yeah. So doing that, really enjoying it, like writing these thoughts. And that's all I kind of knew, like writing-wise. I was like, well, this is my little side thing. Moved to L.A. working in reality TV only. And it was crazy. And lots of great writing material. And one of my first shows that was like through Fremantle, which did Bachelor, so got me there, was like this pilot that never made it to air. And it was like during the Apprentice craze. And so it was like, you know, like rich guys that want to make money. They don't care about family. And so it was like it's filmed at like a Pasadena church. I was a P.A., and and it was like, you know, you're going to be running a business. And it's like, doors open, outrun, 30 screaming kids, you're running a preschool. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, what was it called? The Startup, I think, was the name of the – yeah, it was called The Startup. <laughs> Never made it to air. But I met, like, three of my best friends in L.A. there. Um, and one of them was, like, this funny chick. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, she's, like, into writing and into, like, what's improv? Like, I knew nothing. And so I was just, like, latched onto her because I was like, this is a person who's, like – in the other side of the industry and like kind of wants to write and direct. And like, it was like the first time I kind of met someone like that. And so she was interning at the Upright Citizens Brigade and she's like, you should come out to a show. Like, I was like, what is this? I, I only knew like Chicago city limits. Cause I was like coming from the city and she's like, come to a show. Like there's like, it's like long form improv. I'm the night manager. So I'm interning, whatever. And that was like a turning point for me. Cause she was super cool. Go to the Facebook show which I don't know if you ever did that at UCB. No. It was so funny. It was like it was like all the best dudes, like Rob Hubel and Paul Shear and Rob Riggle, and they would bring someone on stage and just open up their Facebook page <laughs> and rip them to shreds and then do improv based on their Facebook page. I like that. And it was so funny. And so she, we became friends, and she, I, you know, she was reading my email thing, and I was like – and she kind of inspired me a little bit of like, you know – you should keep writing. Like, you never know. And I was like, eh, not really. I'm going to be a line producer. Like, I don't even know <laughs> what I was thinking. I love that line producer was. It was just like like a mapped out, like, it was like, <laughs> I'm going to be doing budgets. Like, I, I don't I don't know why. It just seemed like there was a clear path where yeah. writing was like this pie in the sky, you know? So, and then I was working other shitty jobs. I worked, I mean, one of the funniest ones is I was, and the, the only like assistant job to a director of sorts was Suzanne Summer's son, mm. who was a commercial director. Okay. And like, it was a fucking the, one of the worst jobs I've ever worked. But, um, and I like worked in their pool house. Um, and so it was like right around that time, I was like, I'm going to write a script. 
and like didn't know what the hell I was doing and just like started writing and like didn't understand structure. Like I just knew I wanted to tell a story, you know? And it was right around that time that my friend Lauren, who was the night manager, was like, I just got the craziest fucking job. She's like, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay started a production company. I'm going to be their office assistant. Like they they got me my name through the Upright Citizens Brigade because McKay was like one of the first people to kind of start at UCB. So I just started like wearing her down because it was also on the block that I lived. I was like, if this isn't like faded, yeah. it was like a random block in Hollywood. There were bungalows at the end of it. So that whole year, you know, she was like, oh my God, it's so crazy. It's so fun. It's so, and I was like, get me out of reality. You sound like the woman in, in uh, Happy Gilmore was like, get it was that just like random texts and and phone calls and so then it was basically like a year later she was like adam mckay is starting this movie called stepbrothers he needs an assistant you know like they're starting like the agents are starting to call with their recommendations i think i can get you in for an interview and i was like i will literally do anything hell yeah and i remember going in for the interview and it was very clear he just wanted someone he could hang with, you know, which was amazing. Yeah. And he latched onto the fact that I like went to magic camp and liked reality TV. And so he was like, you seem cool. And and I remember walking out and calling my mom being like, mom, if I get this job, I think it's going to change my fucking life. Because I was just like desperate to get into like something narrative and comedy and all that. So that was like the big turning point where I got that job. And so I was like, I'd never assisted a director really. And I was just thrown into it. And we do you were remember, like filming Step Brothers. Like, do you remember where you were when you got the call that like job is yours, Lauren? I was I was a casting assistant on a house a show called Dream House, where okay. it was like couples compete for their dream house. And so it was like I never even did casting. And I remember it was just shitty work. And then McKay called me and he was like, dude do you want this job? And then he was also like, we're also like starting this website in a week. I'm going to send you this really weird video. It's, you know, password coded. It's like my daughter and Will. It's really weird. And I was like, all right, yeah. And he sends me the landlord. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm like literally crying. And like, it takes a lot for me when you watch something, I'm like, to really make you laugh, you know? And I was like sitting at my desk, like crying. And I was like, oh my God, like, I think this is going to like change. A, like, I think everyone's going to be talking about this. And then it was like, I got the job and like a week and a half later, the website launched and it was like Bill O'Reilly. And it was like, it was like being thrown into the fire. Cause yeah. I'm like, we're prepping Step Brothers and Funny or Die just launched. And we're like hiring people and Eastbound and Down is starting up. And it was just wild times. Um, in the eye of the hurricane. In the eye, but it was like, you know. The best hurricane. The, the best comedy I mean, hurricane is what I mean. Absolutely unreal. Like, s- spoiled by the way they ran a set. And um, it was just the most fun. Like, one of the best times of my life. I Do you mean, have any legendary stories from Step Brothers? From I mean, Step Brothers? Just like being a PA. On your, was that your first movie? That was my first movie. Yeah. I mean, there's so, so much improv and, like, so many scenes that just had to be, like, cut down because... <laughs> Like, you know, like the din- you know, dinner table scene yeah. would be like an hour of filming. Um, the first, actually the first night of filming, our first night shoot at the house, um, you know, and I'm getting to know like Adam Scott and Riggle and Catherine Hahn and like all these amazing, Mary Steenburgen and, and I slam my finger in Adam's car and like almost like puke pass out and shit at the same time and have to be sent <laughs> home. Like 
my whole nail fell off. It was like the most embarrassing. Cause I was like, hey, um, I know this is our first night filming. Uh, I think I need to go home. Like I had to go to the doctor, like the, you know, the set medic had to see me. I was like on the lo- front <laughs> lawn. Like it was like a wave of like, I just slammed, like slammed the car, do- the car door on my finger and just was like laying on the front door when a set medic found me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Like the first night shoot, I have to go home. But he was super cool about it. I mean, they always played pranks on me. Like it became an ongoing thing. So the memorable stories kind of came later of like more of the pranks that they would do to me that I put up with, including like, but not limited to like convincing me hotels were haunted, convincing me Blake Griffin wanted to date me, um, getting me arrested. Like that was like the big culmination on the other guys. They got me arrested (laughs) by two actors that they like made FBI badges for, like rented a cop car. Like freak the fuck out. I was crying and the, prank obviously went too far yeah. basically it started i'm going off on a million tangents no but you're not lauren this is what we this is want. what it is this is this, this is, is the, the juice. Juice. this is what we want <laughs> baby so when so we're on the other guys this is a couple years later and there was someone like the prop guy who was like you know like mr like mr new york city yeah. he's like i'm gonna bring in cuban cigars tomorrow we're gonna i'm gonna sell to you guys whatever mckay buys some cuban cigars and the teamster guy who was like my boy and New York, our New York experience was mostly where are we going to eat and what cuisine are we going to try? And I'm like going out to Queens to get the best pizza with him. Uh-huh. Like it was like literally like going to every borough every day, finding the best food. I feel like so, so much of an assistant is find me the new find fun, me best the best lunch. food. Yeah. We got so fat, but it was fine. Um, And so driving out to like, you know, and me and Brian Leba's the teamster, like we got really close. I'd jump in, he'd take me food shopping. I'd bring it to McKay's apartment there, whatever. So we go to send out these Cuban cigars, and as I'm going to go into FedEx, I was like, Brian, I was like, is this illegal? Like, I'm sending this in the mail, and I'm like, kind of freaked out. And he's like, it's fine. And I'm like, I feel like I could get in trouble, you know. And I stupidly mentioned that. It's thing. crazy that you knew, like, I was like, these are illegal. I'm sending them in the mail. Like, can this, can this be traced back to me? Like, you know. And so he's like, ah, oh, it's fine. <laughs> Little did I know, he immediately goes to Chris Henchy and McKay, and he's like, Lauren's freaked out about these cigars. <laughs> like, we should fuck with her. <laughs> And it was like the last day of filming. I have a video somewhere on my phone. And and like one of the line producers was like, Lauren, can you come here for a second? And there's like these two men with like black trench coats and they're standing there like, you know, like the good cop, bad cop. And he's like, uh, he's like, excuse me, uh, is your name Lauren Khan? And I was like, yeah. He's like, come over here. We need to talk to you for a minute. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, I'm agent, like flips open the badges. I'm federal agent this, I'm federal <laughs> agent this or the ATF or whatever. And he's like, um, can I ask you a question? I want you to be honest with me, okay? Did you recently send Cuban cigars throughout the U.S. postal system? And I was like, what? I was like, I just, I need to get my boss. I could get, I, I didn't give him up. I literally didn't give my boss up, which everyone was talking about that night at the rap party. They're like, she didn't give you up. Um, But they basically were like, you're going to come with us. We have to take you back down to like talk to you some more. There's a car outside. There was like a car and I start crying and I'm like, I need to go again. No, he's filming. He was because we were in this huge like barge filming. And so it was like split into half where like the crew lunches and all that. So I'm like trying to get to where he's filming. I'm like, I just need to get. <laughs> so then I guess Henchy or Chris Henchy saw me bawling and he's running out to be like, it's we've gone too far. Like they, the plan was like, get me in the car and drive around the block and then be like, <laughs> like at the end of it. But it didn't even get that far. So I basically am hysterically crying. And I just like across the hall, he comes out. They had yelled, cut. He's like, 
It's a pro- it went too far. It went too far. I'm sorry. I'm like, it didn't go too far. This is real. <laughs> they, they're going to arrest me. And he's like, it's a prank. It's a prank. And he's screaming it. And so I'm like, I'm like, what? What? And the guys were like, I'm so sorry. We're extras. And they just like, like paid us. They felt terrible. I'm hysterically crying. I'm so confused. They had my FedEx slip in a folder. That's Brian incredible. Brian had kept it. The Teamster, once I gave him the, he's like, is this your FedEx slip? Because this is your signature right here. I was like, oh my God, they had it all. Like, they got me dead to right. They rights. got me. So that was like the biggest prank. And then of course he in turn was like, we should prank your mom and tell her you got arrested. And like, I'm going to pay her well to like, and then we just like, we were just like high. We were just giddy from it. And then we pranked my mom and she was crying. I'm like, what are we doing? It was probably one of the, Craziest days of my life, too, because it was one of the biggest snowstorms in New York, and mm. it was our rap party, and we barely could, like, drive in the snowstorm, so it's, like, went from that, and then it's, like, we're going to the rap party tonight, and we're all in the car, and we can't, we, we have to, like, get out early because, like, the cars can't drive through yeah. lights. It was just a wild, New York was a, a wild shoot, but, like, so much fun, um, and it was, yeah, it was, like, it was... It sounds like summer camp, it but was like, like the camp. most fun. Being on set was snowing, really, snowing yeah. So it was like assisting him. It was stepbrothers, Eastbound and Down, You're Welcome America, which was the Broadway show where Will played George W. Mm-hmm. Bush. And then the other guys. was I, I was with him for four and a half years. And, um, and obviously Funny or Die is simultaneously going on. Yeah. And... I'm feeling inspired, like, oh, the short form, like, it's a way to write. It's short. It's little. And and he was so encouraging because I don't think I would have been able to be confident enough to try it on my own. He's like, you know, you do this Jersey Girl character. You should, like, it was very guerrilla style at the beginning of Funny or Die. They were in a house next to us, and they just hired a bunch of people. And it's like, let's make video. Let's make some videos. It was, like, an amazing time because it was just, like, get a camera, go, upload it. People were uploading. You were voting up or down. It was, in the beginning, it was something very cool. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I started, like, I did like a Jersey girl character where it was like, I was just saying what the fuck, but with different inflections, it was like, she's scared someone's in her closet. Like, what the fuck? Like, it was just like, (laughs) she's wondering, like, and it was just like that. Um, but it was the beginning of me being like, oh God, I could like, there's cameras next door and like, let's just make stuff. And that was so exciting to be able to do and practice. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of like writing for me, I guess. Cause again, tried to write a script didn't was so daunting and I think maybe around that time it was like someone recommended save the cat yeah and it was the first time I was like oh outlining like (laughs) it doesn't have to be that hard yeah because I was just like where do you go from here like I just it felt so daunting and it was like no no you plan out like what's you're not just writing a script (laughs) Mm -hmm. so and I love that book I was like you know everyone's like oh you read all these screenwriters I'm like I read save the cat dude when I still refer to it when I get in a bind once in a while it's it was it's just so like such an easy read yeah. and I I you know sometimes I feel like a fake writer because like you know when people are like what books did you read and I'm like I nothing like literally save the cat and yeah. then I just figured out how to outline and I was like kind of just winging it um, but that was like the best advice I ever got I guess <laughs> was like don't just start writing if yeah. you have an idea um, I don't even know where where I am at this point just where rambling. you are is where no 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 this is, this is not rambling at all <laughs> You're, we're, we're around the other guys and funny or die when did you start writing he's fucking perfect so basically in editorial other guys I'd now written a bunch of stuff for funny or die and 
you know, Adam put me in improv classes, which was so beneficial. And I actually, anytime I meet with someone, I'm like, if you are in comedy, like it just tell it helps so much with writing a scene and how to like heighten jokes and stuff. I like all the improv classes helped immensely. But then at that point, he was like, you should write something longer. And I was like, well, I had this one idea for a TV show. Again, didn't really know the structure of like the act one, act two. I just yeah. knew like beginning, middle, end. And so I just wrote this show called Haters, which was basically like, what if the girl, you know, what if Sex in the City was all like female Larry Davids from New Jersey? And so it was like more of like the smaller storylines, kind of going back to my like, did you ever notice like that, those emails and putting those into storylines? So I wrote that and it was more of just like, maybe this could be a sample for me some, that's like someday. And finally I got enough guts and I was like, you know, McKay, if you could, if you ever would give me notes, like that would be so helpful. And he's like, absolutely. And it, you know. But you had like the whole movie. It, uh, pilot. Got it. Okay, so it pilot, pilot, got it. So I wrote the pilot. It was like, maybe it was, it was definitely too long. <laughs> I don't even remember, <laughs> but, but he read it and he was like, honestly, like, I think you could sell this. I was like, really? He's like, I really think like this is different enough and weird enough that like you could maybe sell this. And he's like, I think I want my name on it. I was like, really? So like, that was a big moment where I was like, oh my God, he thinks it's funny. And like, it's good enough. It's not, it could maybe not just be a sample. So then he gave me a couple rounds of notes and that's when he sent it to like the agencies. And I met with, uh, I don't think I met, I, CA and WME wanted to meet. And so that's when, and it was funny because McKay was at WME, but they were like, we're, because I was like, oh, are they meeting with me? Because, and they were very much like, we want to separate you from him. Like we're doing this. And one of the agents was from New Jersey. So he got like the That's whole East cool. Coast vibe. So that was like the big turning point. So I got agents and then sold the show to MTV at the oh time. God. And, but it was so funny because I had no money at all and sold it for like $18,000. When you say sold, like, did you go pitch the show or did you guys I send wrote the spec? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Send so you it. had the spec. So I, I, I sold it for $18,000 and then. You probably were like, I'm fucking I'm like, who wants to go for bottles or that? <laughs> Spent it all in one night. No. But then it's like taxes and then agent fees and business manager fees. Cause I, oh no, no, I didn't have a business manager yet. What am I talking about? So then, and then, but still, they're like, "Here's a coupon for Subway." But then I was That's like, "I was like, wow, I have like ten grand in my bank account. Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> and then a, a, a precious, precious accountant on the other guys was like, "I was getting per diem every week," and she's like, "Don't even. No one's gonna worry about you. Just don't, don't say that you, you know, uh, what's it called? You know, like." that you're spending it and you have to pay the taxes on it. Mm. <laughs> I can't think of the word. Um, um, uh, you know, uh, don't. I can't think like the simplest word. Thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't. Um, don't. I'll think of it in a minute. But basically. Oh, um, report it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, don't report that you're. <laughs> yeah. So you get, yeah. Okay, okay. He's like, it's so little. And but I was like living like in the lap of luxury because I was getting like 375 cash a week that I could just like on top of my paycheck. So I was like, whatever. No one's going to. Sure enough, the IRS is like, hey, by the way, you are $4,000 in back taxes. Like, you didn't report that. And I was like, are you me? What? <laughs> so, like, all of the money went out the window, like, immediately from, like, me having to pay back the government. So, but that was the first show I sold. And then things started. And then I met with the film agent. And he was like, now you got to think of a movie. And and he and I had this one idea where I was like, I had this one friend who was like, and it was the beginning of like the internet snooping and all that. Now it's like next level yeah. shit. You know, tick their TikToks for I'm just like baffled the way they can find a person. 
Um, but she was like, she was like the go-to of like, all right, who you want to date? All right, give me his name. Give me his name. All right, I'm gonna find out everything the fucking about. Skip Tracer. Yeah. So, so she, she and I was like, well, what if? And I, I had this idea of like, what if this girl that's good at this, this like frenemy, is like, can you look into this guy? And she, and she finds out he's like really awesome, even though they're not quite compatible. So she starts like putting herself in those places, getting into those things, even though it's like really not for her. So I just wrote it on spec. And I kind of wrote it like no one was going to read it because <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to write it like for me and my friends. Like I'm going to write it a little crasser than I probably would, a little more fucked up than I normally would, which to me I think is now the advice I give is like literally just write exactly how you want it, yeah. like not how you think people are going to want to receive it. Um, Were and you that doing was, this at night, Lauren, or like at I work? I was doing or like it at work like, oh, and at home. And I kind of put myself on like a deadline where I was like, all right, I'm going to give myself, you know, two and a half months to write the outline and then I'm going to try to write like – two to six pages every day. Maybe I won't be able to because I'll be too busy. And and again, it was so weird because I was still working for McKay. I sold my show. I had agents, but we were trying to figure out what was, you know, we were, I think we were like getting ready for something else. And he's like, all right, we're, um, you're going to hire someone new. And, but I still like, I was an assistant when I wrote that movie. And then um, that was like sort of the big crazy turning point for me because, and then I actually sold a TV show to NBC also, um, which mm -hmm you know, talking about the strike in a, so many ways, like made more, well, made comparable almost on the pitch to NBC that I, than I, that I did just now selling the show. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years later. Broadcast comedy. That's what I'm saying. It was like a, a wild times. Um, and so, yeah, I sold a show to NBC. And so I was feeling really good about that. Cause then I made some real money and I was going to be transitioning over to funny or die. So I was making more videos. I was writing more for short form. And that was the big plan. It's like, all right, you're going to work at Funny or Die full time. You're going to help me get a new assistant. So it was like right in that in between that Kevin Messick, who I think is one of the best producers in the biz. Does at he produce uh, Succession? Sure does. Yep. Sure does. I remember when he used to walk the halls at Paramount when he – I think he was on like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, he's the best, the best of the best. We did not get along at first. We butted heads. Um, he was just like, what is wrong with this assistant? She's just like doing whatever the fuck she wants. But we really came together, and he's like one of my closest confidants. But he was one of the first people to read it with Adam. And he was like – it was like a moment of respect because here's this like in his mind like bumbling assistant who's just like wants to do bits and joke around all day, which is half true. Um, and 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 he was just like, what the fuck? You know? And But then he was like, oh, she – like this is a really good script and it was like the first moment I remember I remember the day he called me I happened to be in New Jersey for some reason it was like August and he was like okay it's like this is really fucking good and I was like really he's like yeah this is really fucking good and so from there it like gave me a little confidence and then once my agent read it he was really excited and then we kind of like Emma Stone was like sort of attached and we were uh, my friend Jake Szymanski was attached to direct it and then it was like the wild day of my life, which well, take we'll, us we'll, through it. Can you take me through this <laughs> yeah. day? So I was shooting a I was shooting a short for Funny or Die. It, called You're, are like, you in New Jersey or in L.A.? I'm in L.A. Okay. It was called Personalized Siri. I remember, and it was like different voices for Siri. It was like, well, you could have Jewish guilty mother. <laughs> it was like, what do you do? It turned right. You know, it was like or whatever. <laughs> and um, we're filming it, and basically somehow the script had gotten leaked out. And so DreamWorks got a hold of it and just wanted to make an offer. And we weren't ready to go out with it, but basically my agent's like, all right, they got a hold of it. We have to go out with it. And I'm downstairs filming and I keep running upstairs because I'd get a text and it would be like Kevin being like, 
okay, the, uh, this person's making a bid, it's up to 250. This person's making a bid, it's up to $400,000. I was like, what? <laughs> what? And so I'd like go downstairs and my friend Alex Rickenback was filming with me. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. I can't explain it. People are bidding on my script. It's, I don't know. I think it's going to sell. People really like it. And so it was going like that. And then we finished the shoot and it was end of the day. And I think it was up to like $450,000. And I'm like going to Pilates, like in a daze, driving, leaving work, like seven. I'm down the block and Kevin calls me and he's like, hey, LK, I, you need to come back to the office. And I was like, okay. I was like, listen, I, I have a workout class. And if you guys are fucking with me, because again, they always fucked with me. I was like, if you're fucking with me, he's like, no, we need to talk to you about something. I was like, all right, if you guys are fucking with me, like, this isn't nice. So I go back and I get in and they like sit me down. McKay wasn't there yet. It was Chris Henchy and Kevin Masek. And they're like, okay, um, the Fox 2000 called. And they want to make an offer, but you have to, there's still a couple other studios that are waiting, but you'd have to basically close it tonight and say yes. And like not let any other offers happen. I was like, okay. And they were like, and the offers for a million dollars. And I was like, I'm le I got up, I walked out. I was like, okay, great. I'm going to go to Pilates. I appreciate it. I'm glad that, you know, great. Do you think okay. they were joking? A hundred percent. Got it. And they call they call McKay on speaker. He's like, okay, it's not a joke. I'm on my way there. And I'm like, I don't believe you. And then they had to call my agent. This like, is so great, by the way, that we got the story of you on Step Brothers because now we understand the context exactly. of your mental Nothing place. was ever like, I would never believe anything yeah. at face value. You, you, this is, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I'll actually, I'll, I'll tell another this is the prestige. crazy, <laughs> another crazy story later of something they did that was not quite a prank, but nicer. But anyway, so then basically my agent's like, this isn't a joke, you know, you have to decide. And then McKay came to the office and we had a very brief talk and he was like, this is life changing. Like you have, you will, this is crazy. This is insane. I was like, I was in a daze. I was like, yeah, of course. Let's close it. <laughs> yeah. Like what? 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 I don't even be know what to say. And so, and then it was just, uh, like at first, and then it was crazy. It was crazy for a while, good and bad. It was crazy in like going to all these meetings and assistants being like, oh my God, you're giving us hope. Oh my God. Like at first very nice articles, but then quickly like the awful debilitating deadline comment started. You know, she's probably fucking her boss. He's the reason she sold this. I read it. It's a piece of shit. And they got to me because I was still young and I was still not used to that. And it really tore me up. One guy spent an entire blog entry talking about why he might move back to where he's from if this script gets made, which it didn't. So I guess he won. But um, because I was such a piece of shit script. And I he I mean, I, I it's funny because later on in life, my friend was on a show with him. And I was like, he's my arch nemesis. So I was like, he was so mean. But um, and you so I started me after this podcast. Yes, we'll never have him offline. Yeah, never have yeah. him. I don't think you will. When you find out the enemy movie, of the, pod. the movie he wrote. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've heard of friends of the pod. <laughs> yeah. Enemy. Enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the arch nemesis. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was insane and it was a whirlwind. And it's funny. I saw a friend on the picket line yesterday who I hadn't seen in a while. And I had happened to just mention because after I sold the movie and he's, he was always very blunt with me. He's a huge, he's, I guess a huge showrunner right now. Um, Andrew Gerland. Um, and he was like, we went out for lunch and he goes, listen, you're a terrific writer. This movie's never getting made. Um, I was like, what? And he goes, I know they're saying fast tracked and this, he goes, just assume it's never going to get made. He's like, you're going to get a movie made and it's going to be fucking great, but it's not going to be this because this industry is insane. And, even if it's fast tracking, even all this shit, like it's just not going to happen. And I, I, I'm grateful for that in a way because I, you know, it's like, oh, it's fast tracked and it's this and it's that. 
And it was such a journey, that movie, and it didn't get made, you know? It was a very long journey that's for a different pod. <laughs> but um, I was almost glad because he's like, just he's like, honestly, just start working on the next thing and focus on that if you can. And that was smart because I do think that when you put all of your heart and soul into one thing and it's it's so debilitating when it doesn't happen that it's like, okay, this is being worked on over here. I'm going to be over here about this new exciting idea. And, and that'll be, that could be cool too, you know? And so I think that has been good advice and been important for me. Yeah. When he told you that though, were you like, fuck you, dude? Sort of. Cause he's always, he was always very dry and like sarcastic. And, and I was like, okay, whatever. And he's like, I'm just saying like, assume it's not. You know, and I'm like, they said it's fast tracked. <laughs> they're like, I'm like, they're like, he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, Elizabeth so, Gabler said exactly. Yeah, she because I remember. Yeah, she she was a hoot. Um, and then it was, you know, and then it fell apart in so many different All these things weird did. ways. And, and it's always like it's never and fall it's, apart totally. And it's like never the way in which you expect. You're like, oh, this is all. Oh, okay, that's oh, she has a perfume ad, and so now she can't even be in the movie. You know, it was like that kind of <laughs> thing. Talking about Natalie Portman. No, it was uh, that was it was Amanda's. It was someone else, like Safer? Rebel Wilson or Amanda yeah. Seavery or someone at the time that like it might not happen. She has a Japanese perfume ad, and now it's like. But you're right. There were so many iterations. Just like when I was an assistant at Paramount during that time, like you would hear like, it's in, it's out, Emma Stone, table Constantly. read. Amanda Safe reads at the table read. Like just as assistants because, you know, everyone was like, ah, this is amazing. That was the positive part, right? Like going into meetings and still being an assistant and yeah. being like, I don't fucking know. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think this would happen. Keep at it. Like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, because so that was that was fun. Like there was definitely a genuine there was just genuine feelings from assistants. And then obviously, you know, deadline is just a cesspool of yeah. just really angry people. But I didn't know it at the time, you yeah. know, like, and I started to doubt. I literally got so dark for a while and I'm going in all these meetings that I said, everyone's lying to me. They're just jumping on the bandwagon because someone said it was good, but everyone thinks it's a piece of shit and they're just like lying in my face. And I really felt that for a minute where I was like, these deadline comments are right. And this guy who wrote this blog is right. And like, it really is a piece of shit. And it just, the timing was right, you know, and eventually you just get better at that shit yeah. being in this industry and just get tougher skin or you don't. I don't know. I still, you know, the biggest thing is don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Yeah. And some people are stronger than others, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you read the comments? You know, when Fairfax came out, like Variety kind of was like pass. Hollywood <laughs> Reporter, you couldn't really tell what they Critics thought. Are so mean, You too. know, and then – we got this IGN review that basically was like, this is the fucking most brilliant cartoon in the history of the medium. And I was like, yes. Um, and so you get, you get, you get, you get, um, by the way, if it's too hot in here, you you want some, you sure? I'm I'm, I'm, I'll let you know. Okay. Please do. We do. We do. Once the cardigans off, then I have nowhere else to go. Um, uh, so yeah, like there are haters everywhere. And what helps me sleep at night is that, I wake up and get to do what I love for a living. And I think a lot of people don't and it makes them resentful and angry in any way that they can fight back. They will. And then on this most recent Tyler, the creator record, he says this one thing, it's like one rhyme and I'm going to fucking butcher it, but he basically says, um, you sit there behind the keyboard and judge me for a drum break while you're sitting on your fucking lunch break. And I was like, bingo. Like, that's it. There you like, go. You know, it's like true. in person, no one will tell you. Oh, totally. you're a piece of sh-. And everyone will kiss your ass. Right. And the people that are like talking shit, they don't really know you. You know, they there's, don't know. There's you. no humanity there. It's and like, I it think just- there's also like such a disconnect of that. There's a person on the other end and they may be reading this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like. They're angry. They're feeling shitty about whatever the fuck they're going through. And so they lash out and this is a piece of shit and this is terrible. And they want to feel 
united with other people thinking the same thing. And um, but it's true. And they think that they probably it comes th- from jealousy yeah, at the end of the day. Totally. Even and if think- they hate it, it's like you're saying it aloud because you're in some way jealous. And um, also, like, I think at that time, people and again, this is a general statement, probably thought like she's so busy hanging out with so and so and so she's never going to see this. So like, right. it was just like, let me just be Same shitty. With critics, like, yeah, I've read, I, you know, for better or worse, like of my movies, I've read like all the reviews, and some can just be, you know, and I see it for other movies now, and I think I look at it differently because even if it's about a big star, critics can be so cutting and yeah. so cruel yep. and. And I've heard stories of very big stars like falling into holes from certain critic like articles about what a piece of shit their movie is. And it's like people, there are real people there that read this and feel that pain. And I think, I think there's just a, oh, I'm just going to put it out and, and other people read it, but it'll never get to them. And it like, I think a lot of times it really they're does. just jealous, truly. Yeah. Um, Lauren, before we go forward, I wanted, I, I wanted to ask you this one question. What did your parents say when you called them and went, oh my uh, I think God. it's like a million I remember my mom screamed because it was late. It was three hours ahead. And I can't remember if I called from the car or waited till I got home. But like, <laughs> it was like, I don't even know. I kind of went through the story of like, oh, and now all these people are making offers. And and then this one person, made, and she was just like, what? <laughs> just like screaming. Like, again, it was like. 11 p.m. So I like I think I had to wake her up or 11:30 p.m. And yeah, same with my dad. He's like, "Oh my god!" Like it was just <laughs> do- total disbelief for a yeah. while, for a while. And then yeah, I would send them like there were a, a couple articles, and there was like my 15 minutes of fame there because there was like a couple times I got recognized where I was like in a jewelry, I was in a jewelry store like a week later, and someone's like excuse me, are you that assistant girl that like wrote the big script? And I was like, what? I was like, are you kidding me? So that happened like a couple times. It happened actually on the first date with my husband. Oh my God. At the Dresden. And I was like, I swear I'm not this cool. Like this does not happen. Um, Cause the woman had taken my license, I guess. Cause like when we were, and she was like, did you like sell some crazy script as an assistant? I love that off your driver's license, people are recognizing your name. Like the bartenders reading. I deadline. was like, eh, <laughs> so this like- does not happen. This is not a thing. Like it literally happened like three times in my, in my, but it was, it was definitely a weird moment in time. And then I was like working for him for a little while after that. He's like, you need to leave. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I don't know if they're calling for me or for you. Like, um, and so then I finally like officially left and, um, was writing full time, but, but have obviously maintained like a great relationship and they produce it. They've produced both of my originals and they're producing my new thing. And so that's um, where we're heading now. Yeah. Lauren. Yeah. Because there's, I, first of all, I saw fresh. Wonderful. Thank I saw Abiza. Also wonderful. And I want to talk to you about Abiza. One specific moment of specifically, course. please. Most of these movies, you know, with save the cat, there's a moment they refer to as all is lost. And in a lot of movies where there's a group of women, that all is lost is them fighting. fighting. And in your movie, which I I thought, I was watching my wife and I was like, they're, like, they're, gonna, they're fight. gonna fight. And they don't fight. And I thought that was so wonderful that you flipped that on its head in, a, in an elegant way that was on character and was probably true to like you and your friend group. So I have to give it up because that was, they did fight at one point and- Bless the director, who's still a very close friend, Alex Rickenback. He, we had a big discussion about it because he's like, everyone's waiting for this fight. He's like, what if they don't? He's like, this is like an escape, joyous, like that moment in time when you're traveling with your friends and like maybe some other shit happens and it doesn't even have to be high stakes. But like, what if they don't fight and they stay together, you know, and there'll be some tension, but it's not the 
everything falls apart yeah. and we're at rock bottom in that way. And I was like, whoa. I was like, that's interesting. I, I feel like, can we do that? Will people be like, there was no tension. There was no, you know. Um, but I'm so grateful for that decision because it is unexpected. And it is like, oh, girls are, you know, and there's also like that side of like, girls are counting and they're all going to yeah. fight. And, and, in, and in like guy comedies too, but I think it's, everyone's just waiting for that of like, what, it, and to be honest, as we were writing the fight, it felt forced. Like the dialogue began to be like, okay, well, what are they mad about? And what did we plant earlier that they're mad about each other? And like, you're like this and you're like this. And it just didn't feel true to their friendship that they would actually really feel that intensely and feel that way. And it also came from that because as we were like writing different versions of the scene, it was like, this doesn't feel organic and this doesn't feel real to their friendship either. So um, I'm grateful for that. And I'm totally flattered and, and happy that you noticed that because yeah. it is like such a moment where you just assume that's going to happen and it, does, it doesn't. Also, uh, Rob Stark. Oh, my, I mean, I mean. What was that like? Angel. <laughs> Angel. So cool. Such a Such a fun collaborative, awesome dude. You guys look like you had, you must have had fun. It was the, it was a blast. It really was. It was a really good crew. It was, a, I mean, a, a crew of actors. The crew in Croatia and Serbia, a little, a little bit to <laughs> made Sorry. I mean, Croatia was a little better. Serbia was, you know, the, uh, Alex has more stories than me about like, they need to have a phone in their bag. And the prop, like the next day, the prop, the prop guy just couldn't like, he's like, uh, maybe the phone is somewhere else. And he's like, I keep like, it's in there. They need to pull out their phone. Like it was just like it's a plot the point, simplest dog. things. Like you prop, I like write. here's your phone for your office. And it was like a rotary. And it's like, <laughs> uh, no, you know? So it was like very simple. Um, yeah, he had some crazy stuff with Cruz and he was literally, you know, I was there the whole time, and I say as a writer, I, I work very hard to be an executive producer on all of my things because I want to be there every step yeah. of the way. I know my place, but I want to be in the creative process in a different way, and I think it, you have to fight a lot harder in features than TV. Like, um, it's so weird to me, and I kind of – I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I want to be a, a fighter for <laughs> – screenwriters having more power and more say because there is a lot of like, bye, thanks yeah. for the script. And I hear these horror stories. And so that's a way, if it's your script and your baby, like get in, become an executive producer if you can. Producer eventually when you're ready for that. Um, but that's going to keep you just in, more involved. So I was lucky enough to be on set the whole time in, in Serbia and Croatia um, and it was a blast. And and Alex was, <laughs> was shooting gigantic club scenes where we are partying. I'll show you videos out videos after. And it was a party, you know, like um, Richard Madden, Rob Stark. Yeah. He, he, I forgot his real name. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. For a second, I was about to be like, "What is his real name?" <laughs> but he like loved EDM, so he was like this is the most fun pretending I'm a DJ and like dropping these beats and doing all this shit. So uh, yeah, it was a blast. It was, it was cool. It was, it was fun to travel and film these giant club scenes and get close to these people. And, and it was based on a trip to Spain. I, I basically sold my first script and then my agent was like, do one stupid thing with your money. And I was like, maybe I'll write my new movie about a girl's trip and I'll bring my two best friends as assistants. And I did that and I, you know, expensed it because it was research and yeah. a lot of the stuff that happened went into the movie. So that was like the the trip for that next movie, um, which was very fun and beneficial. 
It was. It was a lot of fun. And it, it was very great, dude. I know, I, I'm thanks. sure people don't tell. I, nobody tells you that you do a good job as a writer. Yeah. yeah everyone weird. just gives you notes and tells you pass. Right. Uh, you know, every blue moon you get, a, you're going to you know, be a millionaire a overnight. Yeah. Once in a blue moon. <laughs> but for the most part, it's just people like you saying, they say, thanks for the script. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when I meet people that do something that is wonderful or wrote something, or even if you fucking made a bike that looks like a nice bike and it has a nice ride to it, I, I think mean, you so, deserve you know, to be told. Yeah, like all those like Instagram that it's like, you look nice today. And it's like, oh, my God. Like you ever see those like people just like driving by and like giving compliments yeah. out. But it's nice to hear that, you yeah. know, and you think people hear it a lot, but they don't um, for whatever it is. Lauren, uh, was fresh the next thing to come out of your brain? Was fresh the next thing? To, yeah, I guess the big, the big one. Yeah. Or I guess I'm like, did you always like horror movies growing up? I did, and then I didn't, and then I did again. Okay. Like I was obsessed with them as a kid. I would go to you know video box office or blockbuster. Yeah. Video box office was our local one. I've never like, heard of shitty, a video box. It's called. It was, it was the local one, okay. like not the. This chain. is in Jersey? Jersey. Where did you live in Jersey, by the way? It was called Fairlawn. It's next to Paramus. It's like a. Is that far from Cherry? That's like whatever. Cherry Hill is like south. Okay. Um, this is like by the city where the bridge and tunnel crowd, as, okay. they, as they say. Okay. Um, but yeah, so every week I would go with my best friend and we would pick a different horror movie from like around fifth grade. Uh, I have this, I have this, I have this phase too. Can I ask like a couple movies and you tell me I like or hate? Yeah, or- yeah, yeah. Halloween. Great. Okay. Uh, the Scream franchise. How do we feel? That was like a little later. Yeah, And was. so I didn't, I like, I That's liked not, yeah. that. That was like fun, but I was renting like all the puppet masters and all of the, uh, Freddy Krueger's, Freddy Krueger's. Honestly, the one that like I couldn't sleep was Candyman. Oh, I never I, saw that one. Oh, the original is so scary. I was like, well, Maybe I think I'm done for a while. Like it really, the Omen, I saw like a lot of the classics, yeah. but we'd go through like all the ones that had like six of them in there and. Um, Sleepaway Camp kind of scarred me for life. I don't know. Blair Witch fucked me Have you ever seen Sleepaway Camp? No, should I watch that too? Yes, because the ending is so wild. Try not to read anything about it. Okay. It's it's wild. Okay. And imagine watching that in like fifth grade. (laughs) Um, It's a slasher movie, but it's wild. Um, Yeah, but uh, Blair Witch really fucked me up. Me too, because I I truly thought that was real shit. That was like the first of its yeah. of its time like that yeah. was like so cutting edge and so different we were like movies are gonna change now yeah. like and they kind of did and then it went way too far but yeah. um that was so terrifying i like could not sleep but then basically it became i got too scared and it was like i realized that a lot of these movies i didn't like because they were always living in the darkness and there was like not much fun it was just like oh and everyone's like always oh, like this the whole time and you're like i don't think i want to do this so then I got really scared, but I still had this like morbid curiosity. So I'd be like, what's it about? I'd watch the trailer. I'd want to hear the spoilers. So I was like on the edge of it, but like afraid to watch it. And then a few years ago, I just started getting back into them. And I'm like, God, there's fun to be had. And then I was just fully inspired by this like genre that emerged, like get out of course, where I was like, oh, you can have like real people and fun and humor and actually, and also be really terrifying yeah. at the same time. Cause that's like kind of real life. So th- that genre was like so inspiring, and that's kind of when I was like, I want to, I think I want to write a horror movie, but I kind of want it to be like funny too, and like maybe you think it's like a romantic comedy. Like I was figuring out, but because I, you know, Killing Eve, I remember seeing that, and I was like, oh shit, like there's really scary violence, and then like it's kind of funny too, and so like I was like, you can do it all, like you don't have to kind of stay in one lane, and it was like kind of giving me permission for that. Yeah. Um. And so that then I was like, I think I want to write like a worst case dating scenario movie <laughs> it was like kind of what it came from and I kind of told McKay um and then he kind of forgot about it and then when I finally finished it and I gave it to them I didn't tell them anything I said just read this I was like it's not 
what I normally write. <laughs> um, and so that was, and it was so freeing because like coming from comedy and loving comedy, it's also like so fucking hard because you're like plot, character, theme, and then be funny on every page. Like that's hard, yeah. you know? And so Fresh was so freeing because there were, there was comedy that came organically, but I wasn't like forced into being funny on every page. Yeah. I was just writing like a linear story. And so it was like, I'd say it was the most enjoyable thing I'd written that thus far. Um, and so, yeah, that was a dream come true. I mean, obviously like the story of all of the ins and outs, it's not ever linear. Yeah. Um, but again, being in it from the beginning was like amazing and found, finding the director and putting the team together and, and being a producer and being on the calls and wanting to do all that, you yeah. know, cause it's like, again, like your baby. So wanting to do the clearance and the marketing and the, how are we going to cut and you got to, we got to cut this budget and figuring that out. And, um, and so I really like loved that whole process. Speaking of the beginning of this movie, again, another one of the Lauren Kahn joints I watched with my wife, <laughs> like credit, the titles don't come for like, would you, do we, do we, I want to know a, like, Great idea. Where did the, did, did you always plan it that way? Do we consider that a cold open, a cold first act? Like what in your head? How does it? So cut? I have to give it up to the director. The the actual, so the movie was like in my mind split into three different movies. So you had like sort of your romantic comedy beginning where you're thinking you're like falling for this person. You're thinking it's one movie. You're like, okay, I'm kind of relaxed. Like, okay, this is cool. Then it's like the sort of mic drop rug pull of like, oh no, this is not actually the movie you think you're watching. And then it sort of ends as like a fucking Quentin Tarantino bloody, I just want like revenge. Um, and so that big change, like visually and how it was going to feel and colors and shots, like was always there. But that was that was Mimi Cave, our director, that actually, and I saw it at the first screening, that the credits dropped there. And I was like, I get chills every time. So again, that's having good collaborators. Yep. That was all her credit, credit due. Um, and I absolutely love it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it is the longest cold open in a way, right? <laughs> it's a bold open. Yeah, bold open. <laughs> um, but but love, love, love that choice because it was like – and then it's going to switch and it's going to change. And it was such a, a perfect idea of how to sort of tangibly do that, I yeah. guess, you know? Um, so, yeah, love that. It was fucking cool. I it, just thought yeah. like tonally – like. Uh, Sebastian Stan. I mean, there's just like yeah, so many things that you could perfect. say. They're, they're all, I mean, just kudos to you. Thank you. Um, and also like, I really love the, who did that? I don't know if there was a key art. There's like a poster with like, um, is it like severed body parts where it's like fresh and it looks like the meat. I mean, we had a foods? dope marketing department who really got it. The head guy, I forget his name, but we do these zooms and they just got it. You know, it, that was interesting even selling the movie. Cause it's like, some people did not get it. And it's like, it's always like the success. I think about white Lotus when he won and he was like, all you fuckers that pass, I see you, you know, like <laughs> where you think it's like this perfect straight shot. And it's like, no, like, we got we got mostly passes on yep. fresh they were like this is disgusting this is uh, this is uh you know torture porn this is like you name it and then there were people that like i get this i get what it's trying to do i get what it's trying to be and it is it is satisfying now where you know i hear producer friends that are like it's like fresh where people are now pitching and i'm like if only they knew that mm -hmm. no one wanted it's like fresh yeah. when it was fresh yeah um, but that also, you find the people that get it and get you and are the most passionate. Cause even at legendary, the, uh, the executive there, he's like, I had people coming in being like, I can't work on this. And again, I wrote it 
even bolder in a way that I wanted to grab you that I knew I'm not going to show all this. I don't want to see all this, but it's going to shock the viewer enough and the reader enough that they're going to tell their friend they have to read it. And that always knowing I didn't want to fully show everything. But yeah, so, so so some people were like, I can't. Other people were like, oh, fuck yeah, I get this. So you find those people. And like that's what you hope for in any project where yeah. it's like, if you don't get it, bye. It's all good. So I forget where I was going with that, but there was something. There was there was a place I was going. I don't know. We talked bold open, marketing bold open. plan. Oh, marketing. So, so the marketing team at uh, Searchlight was dope. And they were like, we have really weird – you know, even with the trailer and how we were going to cut the trailer, we were, we were really pushing for not spoiling it. Yeah. And there was a back and forth about like, well, you got to know. You got to know what you're in for and watching other trailers. And it was like, I, we want to tiptoe into it so people talk or if there's something weird going on. But like, I think there's a way that we don't have to spoil everything as trailers can often do. Yeah. So that was a big conversation, but the marketing people were so dope. And when they showed us the hand poster and uh, as like the first piece of material, we're like, yup, absolutely. Chair turn like the like voice. With the, and then even like other marketing stuff they did at like screenings and stuff like baked goods that were body parts and yeah. all that shit. So they were really uh, creative and cool. Lauren, what's what's next on the docket for you? Are you, I know we're not allowed to be writing, but like, let's just say before pre-strike six weeks ago, like. What were you gestating on, shall we say? Well, I have a show, God willing. I mean, we'll see. Again, I wanted to- Broadcast make- comedy? <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, it's at Showtime. Cool. Which, you know, there's some things there's happening question- over there. It's questionable. But uh, well, they Showtime seem be- pumped on it okay. thus far. Okay. Is it a comedy, drama? It is also like in the weird, fucked up, fresh world okay. of like, I'd say it's called The Farm. And it's definitely dark and fucked up and revengey, but also like funny too, and like a little bit of everything. And it's like you know, so um, I had sold that, and we were you know, I I, I actually wrote this. I spec'd it because I'm I, I'm allergic to pitching, and I absolutely hate it, and it terrifies me. So I'm like, is there a world where I don't have to pitch this? And I knew it was harder, but I was like, I'm gonna way better here read it than me like doing a song and dance. Like I can't quite do it as well. So I did a series Bible and a, and I spec'd it. And luckily a couple of people made an offer and, and it ended up at Showtime. And so that is paused. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I, I, it's still, you know, from what I hear, people are still excited. We'll see. It could all fall away immediately after this is over. <laughs> so because of that and not wanting to, I am starting a spec um, that is also fucked up and weird horror comedy called, cool. r- called Rabid. All right. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't know, like I, I do love comedy and like the rewrites I do mostly end up being comedy. Yeah. I've done other, you know, like, ac- you know, actiony and things like that and darker, but, um, that's kind of where I, I stick with comedy and I will, like, I have other comedy ideas, but these weird hybrid tonally genre, like, I don't even know are enticing to me because yeah. I think. It's a, it's exciting, and they because they're just a little bit of everything, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like that's what I love about Pulp Fiction. You're like that's what Mia I'm Wallace goes on a date, and then there's cocaine and, and there's blood, dancing, and then there's and fucking there's, murder. Yeah, it's like and it's all just there. Quotes that are like really funny, and yeah. like, and that is to me what people, you know, will talk about more. Of like, you can't really, I don't know what it is, you know, just watch it. You yeah. know, is like it is is kind of the best. It's like. It's weird. It's fucked up. It's great. You just watch it. It's like sort of the best thing when I'm telling someone to watch something, you know? 
um, when you can't quite describe it. Lauren, to sit here with you, you're so animated and it feels like <laughs> words come so naturally to you. And I'm just so curious, like what makes you hate pitching? I feel like I freeze and I feel like even when I try to explain an idea, even with my new script, like to the producer, you know, I'll be like, okay, so there's going to be like this one part where I'm just like, I know so clearly written down and in the action, like how smooth and cool it'll look and read where if it's me, I just feel like it'll suck. Like, and, and, and it is just a fear of mine. Um, cause then even I did sort of have to pitch because we met with three, three, uh, places that were making offers and it was like here's all the material because it was like are we pitching are we not some people prefer pitching some people don't some people don't care but it's harder to sell you know it was like that whole conversation for a while and again yeah. I'm newer at TV so I was like how hard is it to sell us back and it was like very mixed answers with no real answers um, and so then I was like is there a way and at first it was going to be that we were going to send the pilot and then I was going to pitch the series Bible, the rest of the series, like, are you enticed? Da, 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 da. And then we just got to the point where our, my producer, you know, where Kevin was like, I feel like it's all here and it's strong. And what we also did, which was really cool is they hired a company to make art, which I'll show you after this uh, for the, so it had a cover of the pilot and the series Bible oh, just cool. for selling purposes. Yeah. But people are such visual creatures that like, it, it's cool to like, you're like, Oh, I get this. Like, yeah. this is cool. And like, it, it was just for selling purposes, but it was a really fun thing to work on and, and put on the cover of each and gave it a little more umph. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Pitching just terrifies me. I don't know. And you just a song and dance and everybody's sitting there staring at you and there's like rarely smiles and you're like, eh, Okay. And I mean, I've, I've, I've had to pitch, I've had to pitch stuff like for a rewrite at one point and it was a very friendly room and I knew a lot of them, but like I got, I got on and I had it all written down and it was a, a rewrite. So it wasn't my project, but it was like 16 people. And I, was this on zoom? It was on zoom. Oh my God. And I was like, guys, if anyone wants to just black out their video, please feel free because this is absolutely terrifying me with all your people, all your staring eyes you know, I'm like, and there's always like the, the, the couple people that are like, I'm not going to fucking smile. I don't care. Yeah, like, I hate that. I'm like, fucking smile, just dude. Just fucking give me a, give me some is... warmth. I need it. And also, like, what's with the muting of the mics? If you're going to laugh or like chuckle or be scared I or hear it. Yes. I need it. I yes. feed on yes. it. Yes. So, yeah. Are you, do you do like a ton of pitching? Yeah, I feel like only because I like. <sighs> people now, love it. No, now I'm starting more feature work, but like TV stuff. TV. I yeah. always am just like, yeah, I got to, I got to pitch it and. I try to do it in under 17 minutes. That's like my magic number. And how do you, you know, coming from features and, and being interested in the TV world, like, is it like a whole song and dance? Like how mapped out do you have it? Like, do you get really deep into like the whole Great series? Like, Great question. Okay. So, um, the way you outline a movie is sort of how I do my pitches. I will do, and this is the structure and how it breaks down in the save the cat version of what I do. Yeah. The first page is first paragraph is like my way in. For example, I sold a show with Bill Lawrence about working at Barney's. The beginning is when I couldn't get staff last year, I, you know, I had a meltdown and a panic attack. My wife and I bought a house. We adopted a dog and I made a vow to her for richer or poorer. And as much as I would like to sit around the house getting high all day, yeah. I You're decided like, to, yeah, I, I decided <laughs> to go do poor just right away. Yeah. I decided to do what every other American does right. and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get a regular nine to five. And that's how I ended up at Barney's New York. And in the world of retail, I'm the diversity hire. I was the only white straight dude in the store. 
everybody that worked that I worked for was 23 years old and I was the old guy. And like, I just sort of talked about it. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. But I, I got off track for what I was saying. So the first paragraph is like my personal connection, connection to, the story. to this. Yeah. They say that's a, a great way in. Yeah. It's like loose. And then yeah. you're like, this is who I am. And this then, is why. And then once you know like what it is, like, bam, I'm selling you a show about a workplace comedy set at Barney's. The next like chunk paragraph is about like, you know, the people there and what it's like and some fun jokes. And like at the time, everyone was talking like Cardi B, like, oh, it was like brand new. And so I was like doing that. Very and people hot. were like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, I sort of land in a strong, you know, I said um, as much as I hated working at Barney's and for people in the industry to see me there and I was embarrassed by it. The truth is I had an immense amount of pride on the way to my car every night because I was helping. I was worked in the women's department. I was helping women Love feel it. good about themselves and learning about yeah. them. And sometimes they, you know, they want a friend or a therapist or all of the above. So we got the heart. We got the heart. Exactly. And, um, you know, if I get to sell a show about that feeling on the way to my car, working at Barney's will be the best thing I ever did in my life. Sold. Bang. Sold. Um, and then... I take you into a little bit about the world where I'm just yeah, like, yeah. so based on Barney's, our show is set at the hottest luxury department store in New York. It's called Henry and James. And on the fifth floor, there's a bar just like at Neiman's. Like I basically describe what yeah, it looks yeah, like. Yeah. And then I would, then I do characters. So I was pitching that show with Brent Morin and you know, he was the yeah, way I know, in. I know and that was, name. Yeah. He was on Undateable and on a couple yeah. other things and he's a hilarious comedian. Um, and so he was playing me and he was in the pitch. Amazing. Um, so I basically talk about his character and how he's a fish out of water. And for him, fashion means turning your Red Sox hat backwards. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. has Perfect. no business being in a department store. And I take you through all the characters. And then at the end, I do a little bit of more on theme and then pilot like a paragraph of like basically. So that, my, yeah, it's more like the world and the whole series. And then you're so you're not really pitching the pilot as much. At the end, at the end, Just a little at bit. the end, I say, you know, now I'm going to take you into the pilot story. Yeah. And what I say is, is it's basically it's my first day of work is the story. And I'm meeting everybody and learning my place in the hierarchy and learning the lay of the land. And like, you've seen enough shows like Scrubs, the pilot is Zach Braff's first day on the job. Right. You know, it's like, these totally. are tropes where you, yep. and I'm basically passed around like a baton from department, department to department. Um, and the whole impetus in the show, why I go work there is because I'm in the middle of a divorce and I don't have enough money to buy my daughter a birthday present. And so that's what makes me realize, and my character was a screenwriter, um, but he only sold one show. It's called Fish Police. Great title. <laughs> Fish Police. <laughs> um, perfect. But like my rock bottom is realizing like, I'm going to have to ask my ex-wife to borrow money to buy our daughter a present. And of course, my my wife's friend comes in to buy something and sees me. Perfect. And so then she calls, and then my Structured wife comes. so well. Yes. And then because my ex-wife comes and I take her upstairs to the bar. And then these two women that are based on these incredible women that, that they were named Sandra and Norma. They worked in shipping and receiving. And their job was to keep track of, like, we would get, like, a shipment of off-white. You know, they bring it in, yeah. unbox it, put it on Barney's hangers, tag it and bag it and put it on the floor. But they, like, knew – they were like Statler and Waldorf. And so I made them these characters that, are like, were watching what was happening in my relationship, and they tell my bosses. And so my bosses start to get um, emotionally invested in me instead of, like, this is some dipshit that we gave a job right. to because he begged for a job. Right. When they learn I'm doing this because my daughter, yada, yada. Yeah. And so um, it became a two-hander in that it was also based in real life. This gay cosmetologist named Happy became my best friend at Barney's. We were getting high in the bathroom together, and he was sending me home with when free. When was this? In 2018. Unbelievable. And, like, I'm doing makeup tutorials online for comedy, and that's how I Bill Lawrence saw these. It. And that's how we ended up doing this. He was like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, 
I'm working at Barney's. I can't get a job. And I have an idea about a show. He's like, bring it in. Amazing. And that's how that started. And I was so embarrassed about it. I was so embarrassed. Like my old boss came in from Paramount. So you're like, that's the material right there. That's the real life experience. Totally. So you sold that? Yes. 10 BC. And I felt like. Where is it now? Just dead. dead. (laughs) It'd be so great. And it's like all these amazing shows that are sold to broadcast, like. Why can't they be resurrected? Like just so, so. Warner Brothers so owns it. Like many. it could. They still like Warner's technically owns it because they yeah. were the studio, and it could go anywhere. And every once in a while, I'm like, "You guys want to?" And they're like, "Nah, uh, we do Ted Lasso and Shrinking now." Right. So like, no, right. we don't do multicams. Anymore. Right, 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 right. Um, like it could be single cam, I guess. Right. <laughs> but my my shtick is like way in paragraph about the world. Uh, describe the setting, describe the characters, describe yeah. a paragraph about the pilot story, leave you with some theme, bang. Yeah. And then as a icing on the cake, you know, this was still when we pitched in person, I would do makeup on Bren Morin because I learned how. That's and like he's like Perfect. from Boston, a little puffy. That little extra. Yeah. And I was like putting Givenchy concealer Love on it. him. And Perfect. people were like loving this. Um, and I'll never forget it. 3.30, they called and were like, we want the show. I Ugh. like, and it, it, like what's so nuts is I watched this Gary Shandling documentary when I was in this job. And he says, like, the more embarrassing and truthful you can be about yourself, that's where the comedy came from. True. And that's what gave me the confidence to put me doing, like, makeup right. tutorials it comes from on Instagram. Truth. I was like, like, you, it comes from being vulnerable and, like, being who you truly are. Yes. And so instead of diving behind the cash wrap when I saw someone, because this was at the Grove. So every day I was, like, ducking and dodging people. Fuck. I couldn't get a job at the Beverly Hills fucking, <laughs> at fucking HQ. The Grove. <laughs> well, yeah. Perfect. Um, but once I was honest about it, that's when, like, I got my writing career back. And so I'm just, that's sort of like, I mean, that's great advice. Cause it's true. I think people can see through the bullshit Yeah, and it's when you're just like your authentic self. It's like, that is what people kind of want at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, at least I find. So that's my magic for pitching. I love that. I mean, yeah, I have to pitch like, you know, with rewrites. So I'm forced to be like what I would want to do to it. Um, but yeah, for my own thing. And I will say this, especially with features, Yes, it's harder to write a spec and like you're okay, I'm doing this for free, I have to pitch it. But like you cut out so many fucking steps because once you pitch, which let's be honest, it's taking forever as well, which yeah. I've found. Oh my okay, God. in the like, back, it, in the floor. Dude, it so, takes like, like you three months to you craft a six page pretty, pitch. Pretty much written a script. Yeah. Then it's like all these cooks in the kitchen for the outline. Okay, now we're starting up the outline and beep, 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 beep. And it's like, so I will say, at least with this Showtime show, like, I've already handed in my second draft and they're like, this is feeling good for the Great. pilot. So again, in, in this deal, I have to write a second episode as well on my own. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, but uh, I will tell you actually right now, our Fairfax deal, we said, give us a backup episode to prove to you that we're not a one trick pony. Whoa. And they were like, okay, like they, put your you money where your mouth is. You probably started this. You, you I, probably I started, you, you fucking started this. You started this. We need a second episode in this deal by yourself without a staff. No, I, 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 I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. And totally like, that's what I think really helped us at Amazon was like, we showed you like, we can open up the world so much and it's not just about dumb street wear. You got to see the kids school. Totally. And we set up love interest. So I'm all about the second app. You may be like, God fucking damn it. I don't want to I do mean, it. I'm going to do it, obviously. Uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. But I was like, oh. Okay. So they, it was their idea. It was do. just like also in your deal. Got like it. it's this pilot, it's the series Bible you're going to do some editing on. It's the notes on the pilot we're going to give. And then you're going to write a second episode as well. Got it. Um, so we'll, we'll see about that. Well, uh, Lauren, I, I. Wait. Yes. You want, you said you were going to talk about candy. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, I, I was about to, I was about to wrap oh. it up with a little candy, but, but I do want to talk about candy. Do you have to go? Or are you on a time crunch? I, well, I, I brought you a gift. <laughs> 
Great. I'm so excited. I brought you a candy gift. Uh, please. Let's, this is, this is, no one has ever brought me a gift. I'm fucking. I brought, you probably maybe have had these. No. No? What are, what, okay. Pachow? I think it's pronounced Pachow. That's incredible. because They're like tiny little, like juicy balls within a chew. So Can it's I like, try one? Of course. It's a chew. They're one? all you for you. It's a chew within a chew. Just so you guys know, there's this pot called a Pachow made in Japan. They're gummy soft candy. But the what's interesting is kind of what happens when you chew them. But but would you like? Bef- off air, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have mango. I think we're doing um, a taste test we, right uh, now. Strawberry. We talked about our love of candy. Yeah, Lauren. Okay, so then we can talk about that. I have a sugar addiction, and that's what I want to write my next thing about. Is that I am a fuck like fucked up. Where I'll eat like a carton of ice cream, and then two hours later I'll go back down and have cookies. And then I mean, the, and then weed around- is also. Sort of a culprit there. Uh, totally. But then I'll go bad. Then I'll go down and have cereal at 11 o'clock. Like it never, I'm putting it in my mouth now. Um, oh, there is a little hardness. I like that. And then there's like little things that are in it. Mm. I wanted to get you a weird one. No, this is bomb. I think the AMSMR heads or whatever you say are fucking <laughs> yeah. the coming AM, in their shorts right now. ASMR heads. <laughs> wow. Um, you just both of us, I don't even know. Now I'm getting. Now I'm feeling the little bumps, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. that just come like shooting out. Oh, I had melon. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, where does your love of fucking can't? Like, I don't know. I'm just a kid at heart, and I'm a stoner. And Me too. I became obsessed. You... If it's like if it's something weird that's out, I'm like, I need to try that. Like that's weird. No, like what this Not weird hybrid one. of. They're no, they're all for you. But um, these are fire. They're uh, yeah. So then I became obsessed with Kit Kats, which was like sort of the next step. Of my love because there's so there's hundreds of types of Kit Kats, so now it's become my life mission to try. Do you get them from Japan or sometimes? Yeah, like where are we getting all these? Sometimes Japan friends have now brought like my uh my friend was in Japan. She brought me back peach. Mm -hmm. A friend was just in New York and she is. I'm supposed to have lunch with her and I she got me cheesecake, which I've never tried, but I've tried cheesecake. Yeah, I've tried, and then there'll be specialty flavors that come out in the states. There's like. Pumpkin pie at, you know, Halloween. Mm-hmm. There's raspberry in the spring. There's like lemon crisp around Easter. Um, but they're so good. Kit Kats are like the perfect candy. And um, there's so so many, excuse me. I no, still please. have like this gummy in my mouth. I'm like, hey, do you want to like just chew really loud on, I'm just on your chewing. podcast? I'm, I'm just chewing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I was coming here, I was like, you know what? He seems to really love candy. I'm going to bring like some weird candy. Oh, maybe he's had or maybe he hasn't. I haven't. Do you smoke pot when you write? No. Interesting. I smoke pot at night. I think of ideas when I'm high. Got it. So a lot of my best ideas come when I'm high. And what I'll do is, believe it or not, when I'm high, it's looser. So scenes will play out in my head. So it'll be more like if I have an idea, I can get like slightly stoned and right. Okay. But I normally get really lazy where I'm like, or I can do this over here. And I just, I I can't, like the ADD sort of kicks in where I like, Right, and then I'm like, I need we need new glasses for our kitchen, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I'd say some of my best ideas do come to me high, but it's more like at the end of the night, and I'm I've been thinking about the scene, and suddenly I'm high, and it's it's much looser, so characters, so a scene will play out, and dialogue will happen as if I'm watching it, if that makes sense, and I'll write down what they're saying to each other or what's happening there, and it's almost like I know what I want from the scene, and then it kind of. It's like looser when I'm high, and so it'll play out, and then I'll just write it down in my notes. So okay. it's sort of writing. It's not like sitting down and like writing dialogue, but I'll write the back and forth. Or oh my god, this is gonna happen. And I, I had one the other night where I was like, oh my god, this would be great. You know, while I was high. 
What's your method? Pipe, joint, bong? Like, what are we doing here? Joints. Mostly just joints. My husband's, like, even a bigger pothead than me, and he is, like, very into rolling joints. Although he's just gotten into baby jeters. Oh, yeah. Those, those, those like, send me to the like moon. Because they're, like, very – they're very strong, and it's quick. Because, yeah. like, you know, him, it's like, hey, we got to eat dinner. Like, the kids are in bed, and, like, one joint is, like, 35 minutes. I'm like, we have, like, one show we can watch. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, but – it is a nice way to like unwind and he loves rolling them. It's just like, that's how yeah. he kind of relaxes. So it's mostly a joint once the kids are in bed um, or two, if it's like a baby Jeter mm. and then dinner and chill. Yeah. Some, for me, it's like a, yeah. What's before your, do you I write, during the day? I'll have like a hit of sativa at 10 AM. That's like coffee. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then around lunch and maybe another hit or two. It's not like in college, I was doing like six joints a day, just like wow. blowing through. And, like, and you know, getting bong ribs. Done? Yeah. It, it's because I have ADHD and like I used to take Ritalin for many, many, many years. And when I discovered pot in college, um, I discovered pot in ninth grade and then ended up taking like what I thought was ecstasy, but was speed and thought <laughs> oh I was going to like die in the Holy middle of the shit. night. Um, I was like 15 years old and I was like, should I wake up my parents? And didn't yes. because I literally got on my knees and prayed to God, like, God, if you get me out of this oh and God. I don't die, oh I will never smoke weed again. Holy shit. Then I got into college and I was like, okay, I guess. All right, maybe it's going to happen again. Um, but I find that pot really like makes me think before I speak. I could never get high and do a podcast. Like I tried that once, and that yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, you're like, Bleh. I would just be too in my head. Yeah, be yeah. Like, Did I spot? Should I? Should I stop talking? Am I talking too much? Like yeah. I would just be overthinking. Everything. I don't do generals high. I don't pitch high. Yeah. I but I will write high just because it's like coffee to me. Yeah, I guess it depends what stage. Like I can't literally write a script, but I could do like loose notes. Okay. If I'm like, oh, this will be fun. You know, I'm just trying to get that get the juices flowing. All right. Yeah, that's kind of, but it's true. Probably a sativa would be fine, mm -hmm. like a little bit. Are you an indica person? I'm a hybrid, okay. but unless it's like time to sleep, okay, then just indica. Where do you fall on the gummy spectrum? Do we like edibles? Mostly terrified. I've yeah. had like, to me, it's like gummies are where you're like, I don't think I'm feeling it. And then it's like three hours later and you're at your car alone and you're like, I need help. But you know what I mean? Like you're just like, <laughs> you're I miscalculated this. Out of this. So I've had like I almost thought I had an anxiety attack on a plane after eating a cookie. Wait, you got on a fucking airplane on? You I was I was crazy. younger. I don't even think I was married, but I was like I got a weed cookie, not knowing portions control. I had like half the cookie, not knowing milligrams. It was like back in the day, like stores had just opened. You still needed like a card. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And at first I was like, this is fun. I'm like texting my friends. I was about to take a red eye. I was like reading a magazine. And then as I'm getting on the plane, I'm realizing I'm just like way too high. And then I'm like looking around and my brain is like, these are the people that are going to die with you. Like, we're all going down. Like, people are like very, like, oh, putting up their carry-ons. And like, and I'm like, oh, we're all going to die. And so then my heart started beating out of my chest. And I was like, I have to tell the person sitting next to me. Like, I was like, I have to let her know that I'm really high and I'm really scared. And so it was like me in my head going, don't fucking tell her that. That's not going to do it. They're going to tell the flight attendant. You're going to kick off a plane. No, tell her. Tell her. Tell her you're scared because she's probably looking at you. And, and I like... And then finally I didn't tell her and the and then the doors shut and I was like convinced for 30 minutes straight that I was going to die. And then I just tried to sleep and I had like full like wasted spins. Like oh. that's how high I was. I was just like I couldn't even close my eyes and my heart was racing. And so I vowed never to do edibles again. And then I did years later and I I started doing like the blueberries, like mm -hmm. the yep. Kiva or yeah, whatever. Like and like it's five – uh, but then I had another really bad experience with my husband eating an edible, and I was like, I'm too fucking high. I want this to be over. <laughs> and so, like, I kind of, like, don't fuck with edibles anymore I'm not unless a big it's, guy. like – because it's also, like, it takes time where I'm, like, I smoked a joint. I'm high. I yeah. know what this is, yep. and this is what it's going to yep. be, where, like, 
you don't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, now I will say it's a lot easier because it's like this this mm-hmm. many milligrams, whatever. And so when I was really sick recently and I couldn't smoke because my throat hurt, he was like, here is literally a seven milligrams. And like, that's kind of good for me, believe it or not. He could eat like a, he could literally eat like 50 milligrams and not feel it. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like giving our kids a bath and like, you wouldn't even know he's stoned. Where me, I'm like five milligrams. I'm like, my children are judging me. I need to go to sleep for the night now. It's like 6 p.m. Have you tried microdosing mushrooms? I really want to. You I, come to the right place. I, you want some? I mean, everybody's been telling me about the perfect chocolates. I had one bad experience two years ago where everyone's like, it's amazing. It's the best. Because I used to like macrodose, you know, mm-hmm. in college and all that and just like trip my face off. So I'm like, is, are we gonna, is this going to be fun? And they were like promising and I microdosed and I just didn't like it. I was like, I don't feel quite right. And they all were like, oh, this was not as good of a batch mm. as like whatever. So I'm definitely wanting to do it again. Okay. Um, I There's even like pills online yeah. that like people take. Are you like a daily? No, I'm a like wife and I are going to Palm Springs. Uh, kids in bed. We're going to have some whatever. Or like, oh, we're going to a wedding and the kids with my mom, we're going to fucking eat chocolate. That's, uh, my husband's birthday is next month and we were going to go to Palm Springs and I was trying to get mushroom chocolates for that because well, I thought that would be fun. And then I could just kind of tap in and figure out because a friend of mine who's very scared of drugs was like, this is perfect. Like I, I found the perfect person. I found the perfect amount. Like it's just a little bit like being high and you're laughing and you're yeah. so happy and it's not as intense. And so it's been definitely sold to me, you know, okay. like mentally, you know, verbally. And so I think I'm ready to try again. All right. Um, well, you may have come to okay. the right place. Is it legal? I don't think so yet. But like we're going to a we're get we're getting yeah. there. Like yeah, I've yeah, literally yeah. seen the same way that like when weed was starting to be legalized. They're selling them now, like it's like very goop looking. It's called silo, like psilocybin, and they're like they come like in, they literally look like your pachas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I saw them like in a bowl at a party, like individually wrapped, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I haven't tried those, but my friends swear by them. What I like, is and these, do they do it like every day? Like there's also them. that kind of world. My that friend exists. Mike does that with the like little pill capsules. Yeah. That I don't do. I'm more of the like we're going to a wedding or and new it's fucking like concert. And what does it feel like to you? I feel stony and like. The lights are a little blurry, and I just feel like giddy. And if so, and if someone says something funny, it's like forty times funny. Okay, that's kind of what's been described to me. Yeah. Um. And maybe I did just have a weird batch that one time a couple of years ago because I had two ecstasy meltdowns, and I was like, I never want to ingest anything again. Like I've a- had that after I've the had ninth that. grade thing. I tried ecstasy or Molly at Boney Vare at Coachella twelve years oh ago. My God. And everyone was like, this is so calming. And I was like, get You're me like, the I, fuck I, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, I had to leave. I had to leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, if I can take the, the yeah, yeah, microdose yeah, yeah. mushrooms, I feel like. Well, yeah. And my friend who's like not very into drugs is like, no, I really like it. It's so chill. Yeah. Um. So, I'm yeah, I'm ready. Lauren, thank you so much for coming to do Thanks this. Thanks for having I me. I so appreciate you driving here and giving me oh, candy. No. and. It's been it's been an absolute joy. I love just chilling and talking. Well, about. best of luck to you for your for all the stuff that's coming. Thanks. Hopefully, this strike ends and we can all. Yeah, my to wife work. and I want more Lauren Khan content. So if <laughs> well, we I appreciate PCP that. Can get their shit together. That's very kind. 